Thanks for listening to the weekly Overflow Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this sermon. For more information, visit overflowindy.com or visit us on Facebook at Overflow Indy. I want to introduce uh, one of my greatest heroes and, and one of the most important leaders in my life, Steve Backland. Um, he comes from Bethel Church in Redding, California. He and his wife, Wendy, also, they, they oversee a ministry that they started called Igniting Hope. And let me tell you, the name tells you everything. They ignite hope in people's hearts. Um, and, and they travel the world. They go around places. And people's lives are transformed. And I just want to ask you guys um, just to open your hearts in, a, in a, just a massive receive mode. And let the words that he speaks come to you in spirit and just shift the mindsets. And, and usually I get a, a spiritual chiropractic adjustment by listening to him. And it's like it's just things just start shifting into place. And I realize, ooh, I, I needed that recalibration. We need that on a regular basis. But, but Steve, you're, you are such an important person to Jessica and me. You're such an important person to Overflow Church. And uh, we're, we're thankful that you are, are, are a relational apostolic covering to us and in the spirit that you're also bringing the covering of Bethel over this house. And we honor you so much. Um, and so we're going to take an offering up for him after he's done, before we dismiss. But can you guys give a big, warm, and standing welcome to Steve Backlund? Yep. Hey, wow, thank you. Whew. Look what the Lord has done. My, oh my, we, we do. We just dedicate this building again in the name of Jesus. Dedicate it for your highest purposes, Father, souls saved, just families healed, bodies healed, people launched into doing what they never thought they could do. It's going to happen here. Amen. I was just uh, <clears throat> thinking, I, I had these thoughts about the building. This is the first of many buildings. It's wow. what I heard. <laughs> many buildings. <laughs> and then this is kind of a random word. I just submit this to you. But um, I heard there in the future of this church, whether it's five years, 50 years, there's going to be a merger of this church with another ministry that's going to be really catalytic to the destiny of, what's, of what this place is called. I mean, every great thing has a small beginning. No great things just start great. It starts with an idea. It starts with somebody. Somebody who gets a calling. Someone who, who says, I'm going to step out. And I remember as a young leader, I said, Lord, I can't wait until I can do something great for you. And then he said, Steve, instead of waiting to do something great for me, why don't you do what you're doing right now with great faith, and it will become great. And I just release a gift of faith on all of us for what we're doing right now. You know, just uh, God's an equal opportunity God. He hasn't predestined any person any city, any ministry for mediocrity. <laughs> He's an equal opportunity God. And once we attach faith to what we're doing, and, and, and once we actually believe we're significant, we're significant. I used to say, well, I'm not going to believe I'm significant until I actually sense I'm significant. The Lord basically said, bummer for you. <laughs> so I'm going uh, to minister a message. I'll, get, I'll, I'll start it in, in a few minutes. I'm going to minister a message on, on called Fully Convinced, the Art of Decision-Making. Fully Convinced, the Art of Decision-Making. Because I sense the Lord has brought people today, whether you're regular people in overflow or visitors, uh, I'm sensing today the Lord is, is releasing a fully convinced thing on your life. That's the goal where we're going, fully convinced. And it may take us a while to get there, but that's, that's the goal, to be fully convinced in our identity, 
to be fully convinced in his promises, to be fully convinced in our assignments and what we're doing. And first of all, let me just say thanks, Jesse. You're one of my heroes. You, uh, you and Jessica, I just uh, love you. So proud of you. So proud of your team. So proud of just this house, what, what, you're, what you're doing. And being able to walk with you on this journey has been so fun. And just to watch your heart of integrity and your heart to do it right. And I just admire that and bless you and just release an irrevocable blessing over you. <laughs> And, and Jessica and your team, and, and just uh, thank you, Lord, even, even for um, today, yeah, just uh, this day being significant. Something is being deposited. Something's already happened. I, I so, was so blessed by worship today. Anybody else just blessed? And Yeah, yeah thank you, Lord. So, yeah, just, uh, and we're going to have a great night tonight. I'm actually a little concerned about tonight. <laughs> <laughs> that some people may need a designated driver to get home. <laughs> That's one of my concerns <laughs> about tonight. So you may want to plan with that in mind. Yeah. <laughs> hey, just um, a couple quick things on me. I am on staff at Bethel Church, work in a, a department called the Bethel Leaders Network, which is Really, the part of Bethel that church leaders, especially church leaders, who say, we want to connect with Bethel, we want more, we want uh, intentional relationship, they do that through the Bethel Leaders Network. Uh, I was a senior pastor for 17 years before I came to Bethel in 2008, pastored in Northern California and in Nevada for 10 years, married to my wife, Wendy, three kids, seven grandchildren. And as, as uh, Jesse said, we have our own ministry called Igniting Hope. And we've written many books, and one, I, one of the books I wrote is called Possessing Joy, A Secret to Strength and Longevity. And I used to say, Lord, I'll be joyful when all my problems and uncertainties are over. I again asked if that's okay with you, and he said no. <laughs> he said that's not okay with me. <laughs> and I realized this, there's no convenient time to be joyful. The joy of the Lord is our strength. A merry heart is good like medicine. In his presence is fullness of joy. The angel announced to the shepherds, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be for all the people. And, and I, I used to be a joy-impaired, laughter-impaired Christian. And I got delivered. Because <laughs> to laugh, you have to let go of something. We don't laugh all the time. Certainly, we weep with those who weep. But laughter is a powerful spiritual weapon that helps us uh, break off the absurdity of getting our beliefs from our past experience and getting our beliefs from what we feel and what we see rather than what he's saying. And sometimes, I mean, just, just laughing. I've written a book called Let's Just Laugh at That and Let's Just Laugh at That for Kids. And um, let me just do, let's just do a little experiment here. Let's. I like to laugh at lies. Let's, let's do an experiment. Because the devil, the only weapon the devil has is lies. That's all, that's all he's got. The, the only way he's empowered if someone believes his lies. The truth makes us free. The lie binds us. So the battle's between lies and truth. So let, let's, let, I want to just share a couple of his favorite lies. Just do an experiment and laugh at him. Just see what happens. All right? I want you guys to warm up your laugher. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> Man, some of them sound actually too warm. I'm concerned some laughers are going to overheat. <laughs> How many of you know God invented laughter and he does not regret it? All right, let's just laugh. This, this is just one of the devil's all-time favorite lies. Let's just give a hearty chuckle on it. You are a failure. <laughs> How about this one? Here, here's one of his favorites also. This is, this is just a real prime one that he, he just shares all the time. Things are only going to get worse. <laughs> Oh, man. 
I hear that. Oh, and here's a lie I used to believe, and sometimes I'm tempted to still believe. There's something uniquely wrong with you. <laughs> and then one of the devil's all-time favorite lies, laughter in the church is from the devil. <laughs> This is a book, an eight-week devotional, uh, personal devotional. Um, it's a group study. I want to give it right here to you. What's your name? Andrea. Andrea? Hey, Andrea, I hear over you, uh, a creator of a joy movement. <laughs> creator of a joy movement. And I see God's going to give you revelation like never before on the power of joy and Wrote a book called Igniting Faith in 40 Days, The Power of Hope, Declarations, and Negativity Fasts. I um, want to give this right here. You guys, good to see you. Yeah, and I hear over you um, just uh, leaders of leaders and influencers of influencers, your family. Yes. And then I wrote a book called Help, I Am a Pastor. You got, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to write, a, I think about writing a sequel, Help, I Have a Pastor. <laughs> I mean, help, help, I've got a power. What, what, do, I, what do I do with that? <laughs> and, and this has got a pastor hiding behind a pulpit, and he's a, it, it's just a practical wisdom for, for church leadership. And so I want to just sow that right there. There's something big in your future. Yep, there's a, there, there's a detour I see that's going to be significant for the kingdom. What's your name? John? Josh? Yeah, hey. Yep, Josh, you're, you've, you've got something on you. It's bigger than you know. So I bless you, Josh, in Jesus' name. Wow, wow, wow. So our ministry is Igniting Hope Ministries. And we have a, a, a mandate to ignite hope. Because there's no hopeless circumstances. There's just people who do not have hope. Let me say that again. There's no hopeless circumstances. There's just people who do not have hope. Once people get true hope, circumstances can't stay the same. Uh, my favorite definition of hope is hope is the belief that the future will be better than the present, and I have the power to help make it so. Hope is the belief that the future will be better than the present, and I have the power to help make it so. Hope is what gives us energy. Hope is what uh, causes us to improve. Hope is what causes us to sacrifice. Hope is why you build buildings, why you get buildings. Because if we didn't believe things can get better, why, why do anything? And a lot of people's tiredness is spiritual, not physical. It's, it's because vision has been lost. And, and, and I just see, even today, the Lord is restoring vision. He's, he, he's restoring hope. And, you know, my, I know in my own life, my fear of being disappointed again made me resistant to hope at times. I don't want to hear a hope speaker. I don't want to hear that. It's like Gideon, the angel says in Judges 6, Hey, the Lord's with you, mighty man of God. He says, nah-uh. Uh-uh. If God's with us, why has all this happened? I'm not, basically, he said, I'm not getting my hopes up. Ha-ha. <laughs> but he eventually did. He eventually did. And, and, and just because even we may be struggling right now, may, some of us are like Gideon. We're going to get our hopes back up. We're coming out of spiritual caves. We're coming out of pessimism. We're coming out of the victim mindset. We're coming out of that stuff. And, and, and this, this is a house of hope. This is how you come in this place. You actually believe things can actually get better. Believe you can get better. Believe your family can get better. Believe a nation can get better. I, I believe after love, hope is the most powerful leadership, influential quality there is. That our hope level determines our influence level. 
He who has the most hope has the most influence. It's hard to influence that which you do not have hope for. God loves to partner with unreasonably optimistic people. <laughs> I want to say that again. God loves to partner with unreasonably optimistic people. Can you imagine David going after Goliath today? <clears throat> hey, uh, David, before you attack Goliath, we're just looking on our phones here. And we're reading what the experts are saying. The experts are saying you're being unreasonably optimistic. And they're saying you shouldn't have such high beliefs. They're saying you should just go back to the fields and settle for life as it is and make it your life goal to pay your bills every month. Because what the experts are saying is you're actually going to get killed. Let's laugh at that. <laughs> hey, Ezekiel, before you prophesy to those dry bones, we want to let you know what the experts are saying. They're saying you must not know how dry they really are. <laughs> or you wouldn't be so optimistic. The experts are saying you should do a deeper study on the bone's dryness <laughs> so that you'll become more realistic. Because what the experts are saying, when you speak to the bones, nothing is going to happen. Let's laugh at that as well. Ha, ha, ha. God hasn't called us to be realistic. He's called us to be supernatural. We don't deny the bones are dry. We just don't get our beliefs out of its dryness. We don't deny it's hard, but we just don't call it hard. Because if we call it hard, we believe it's hard, it will be hard. So we're, we're just, uh, we have a mandate to ignite hope. You can find out about it do podcasts, vlogs, we do online schools, we do, all, I mean, online courses and things, and, and it really fits into this area of decision-making. Now, I don't know about you, but I have struggled in decision-making, and some of the most sincere Christians are the worst decision-makers, because I was so afraid of doing something wrong <clears throat> and missing what God was saying that I could never attach faith to what I was doing. So you, even uh, maybe as a pastor, I, I would just be double-minded about or in doubt about what sermon to preach. And I just struggle. I don't know. <laughs> this is God. I just, so I'd go into the pulpit frequently in doubt, not faith. And I know with my kids, I mean, I, I didn't raise my kids to, um, you know, as an adult to phone me, hey, Dad, I'm in the bean aisle, and I don't know whether to buy Del Monte or Hunt's. <laughs> Could you please give me a command? <laughs> There's a fascinating verse in Romans 14.5. It, it's one of the... It's one of the it's a power verse in the Bible that, that there's a secret door in this verse. It says, um, one person esteems one day above another. Another esteems every day alike. Let each be fully convinced in his own mind. Say fully convinced. Now, it's amazing. He's talking about Sabbaths. He's really, he's saying, hey, one person thinks it's one day, another thinks it's every day. You, you do the best job you know how to make a decision uh, on, on matters that are not clear in Scripture where he gives us the freedom to interpret, but be fully convinced. And how many you know, I mean, what's fascinating is the person who says it's one day or the person who says it's every day, is bo they're both right. 
They're both right. I mean, even how some people have um, handled COVID and how, you know, I mean, there's been pressure on leadership. Ah, yeah, you know, you should, I'll wear a mask. Oh, you shouldn't wear a mask. Yeah, all the opinions. Now, different ministries can do different things and both be right. Because of the season they're in, because of the calling that they have. And so the goal is to, is to be fully convinced. Another verse that's fascinating is 2 Corinthians 9, 7, where Paul is taught, it's a chapter about financial giving. And, and he says this, he says, but, but each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a what? cheerful giver God love and by the way anytime you find in the Bible God loves something it should pique our interest God loves but it's interesting that and I, I've done a teaching on that called God loves a cheerful decider because the principle of this is far beyond just financial giving God loves a cheerful decider and that's a really that verse uh, 2 Corinthians 9 7 it's it's like Wow, but each one must give as he has decided in his heart. That's scary. I mean, that's, that's one of the most empowering verses in the Bible. That basically says, God, God says, I trust you. I trust you to figure this thing out. Wow, that's scary. Who trusts me? I, I'm... I, I would rather just have a command. <laughs> but as we grow up, just say, I'm growing up. <laughs> as we grow up, God, God uh, we move from a slave-servant mindset into a co-laborer mindset with, with God. And we learn e each one must give. Now, it's like... Um, and, and giving, again, is not financial. It's how, what I give my time to. Each one must, uh, must decide in his heart what he's going to do. And not reluctantly under compulsion. And, and by the way, that's, there's three ways we can do things. We can do things reluctantly under compulsion. I can do my marriage reluctantly under compulsion. I can do church. I can do financial giving. I can do my job. And, and, and that's called a dead work. It's called a dead work. Where we, and, and we all going to do certain things reluctantly and compulsion, but if we continue to do it, we're just living in dead works. The other way, that basically reluctantly under compulsion, is we don't want to do it, but we're doing it. The other way to do it is passively. We can do things passively, a second way. Yep, I'm just going to see what happens. Mm -hmm. I'm here at the meeting. I hope it's a good meeting. Mm -hmm. I'm waiting. Waiting. <laughs> see what God does. See what the church leadership does. That's called passivity. The third way to do things is through faith. And, and when we attach faith to what we're doing. And by the way, somebody in this meeting is going to get a revelation on what it means to attach faith to what we're doing. And it's going to change everything. Because anytime you attach faith to what you're doing, you get power, you get energy, and you get cheerfulness. There are three evidences of attaching faith. You get power, you get energy, and you get cheerfulness. I wake up pretty much every day. I've got this declaration clicker, and it's my way of attaching faith to what I'm doing. I wake up. I said it this morning. <clears throat> I think pretty, Before I even got out of bed, I think. This is going to be the best day of my life yet. Click, because there's a tally counter. 
Uh, my goal is to make 100 declarations a day minimum. I've, I'm at 59. <laughs> the worship service helped me today. <laughs> Even when I don't feel it, you're working. <laughs> Even when I don't see it, you're working. I attach faith. The moment I said that, I got something. I got power. And God wants us to say things without music. God wants us to say things higher than what we're feeling and experiencing without music. Because it's, it, it's a game changer. It's a way of attaching faith. And, and again, the fear of disappointment. I, I don't want to say it's going to be the best day of my life yet, because what if it's not? I don't want to do that. I, mean, I, might, I might get disappointed. <laughs> no, I mean, it, it's a way. It, it's a, sports teams declare great things before the game. They don't win every game. But they don't say, that didn't work. <laughs> they don't say that. They just say, I'm going to do it again because I'm breaking the losing culture off of us. I'm breaking the losing culture off my life. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> we all got, that's a, the, the devil's lie. You're, you're a loser. Let's laugh at that. <laughs> so there's, there's, three, there's three ways to do things. Now, in decision-making, and... I just want to give you, and I'll go through these rather quickly, most of these. I want to just give you uh, six traits of dynamic decision makers. And these, these traits, um, number one, is they, they base their decisions on the Bible and its core values. I, I want to make sure that's clear. I mean, how many of you know the Bible is like like the... A uh, handbook. I mean, this is a poor example, but but the the owner's manual on a car. I mean, it'd be dumb just to when you buy a new car just to throw out the owner's manual and say I don't need it. And the Bible is the Bible in every area of life, relationships, um, just physical health, uh, just finances. Every area, the Bible's perfect, and so. We want to make sure that they, it is based on the Word of God. Number two, dynamic decision makers believe they are good decision makers. Just say, I am a great decision maker. Say it again. Say it louder. Now, let me, let's just laugh at this lie. You should not believe you're a great decision maker until you consistently see great decisions manifesting through you. <laughs> I remember I'm pastoring a, a, a church in rural Nevada, and I felt like the Lord said, Steve, I want you to say I radically influence nations. I want you to say it yourself, to yourself. I said, Lord, I thought you said thou shalt not lie. <laughs> and he says, well, does an apple tree wait to have apples on it before you, you call it an apple tree? <clears throat> uh, no, Lord. And if that apple tree could talk and the apple tree said, I have the gift of apples, <laughs> we wouldn't rebuke the apple tree. We wouldn't say you need to wait to have apples before you say I have the gift of apples. <laughs> And, and we don't get our identity out of what we've done. We get our identity out of what we're created to do. I mean, we sang a song. I am who God says I am. I'm not who my past says I am. Bible says I got a sound mind. The Bible says I've got the mind of Christ. That sounds like it's pretty good decision-making material. Why don't you turn to your neighbor and say, I think this message is just for you. <laughs> Thirdly, dynamic decision makers know when not to make a decision. <laughs> Woohoo! You know, I mean, the 
the acronym HALT. Never make a major decision or major conclusion when you're hungry, <laughs> angry, lonely, or tired. Steve, before you make a decision, why don't you just eat something? Why don't you forgive and let go of that thing? Why don't you go to bed, take a nap? Why don't you get in true fellowship? And when we're running from things, that's not a good time to make big decisions. When we've been hurt, that's not a good time to make big decisions. Number four, they include the right people in their decision-making. Proverbs 15.22 says, There is wisdom in a multitude of counselors. And so we're, we want to include the right people, people who know the Lord, people who have known us and who understand our own tendencies to help us. And then number five, they clarify their options and have a story from God for what they decide to do. They clarify their options and have a story from God for what they decide to do. So I don't care if it's a, a big decision like, should I move? Should I take this job? What church should I attend? Should uh, a, a, a relationship that, that uh, might lead to marriage or, or, or whatever, big, or, or small decisions? How do I relate to this family member who I'm having, that's not too small, I will say that. <laughs> yeah, uh, it may seem so. How do I relate to a, a family member? How do I respond to them? Or how I've got conflict with a person, or uh, should I buy this item or should I not? You, you clarify your options, option A, B, C, you know, just or whatever. Uh, I can do this, I can do this, I can do this. For me, it just helps me know. I mean, I... I Remember moving from Nevada to Weaverville, California. I, was, I had two options. I had stay in Nevada, move to Weaverville, California to pastor there. And you put all the logical reasons why it's a good idea and why it's not a good idea. You put it underneath. Okay, I'm looking at that. Then you look at all your prophetic words, all the things you feel like the Lord's told you in the past that might connect to one of those options. You put that underneath the option. Then you get in decision-making mode, and you just then you open up your ears, and you just you're looking, you're looking for signs, you're looking for uh, repeated Bible verses, dreams, prophecies that fit into the options. And most decision-making is is concluding. Very few of us are going to hear an audible voice from God. Do this. <laughs> it says in, in Acts 16, uh, Paul was trying to go into Bithynia and Mysia, and he couldn't. He was forbidden by the Spirit of Jesus, Holy Spirit. He tried to do something, but couldn't. And then he had a, a vision from the people of Macedonia uh, saying, come here. And the New King James language says he concluded he was to go to Macedonia. And most decision-making is concluding what God's saying. And, and, and so I look at my options. I remember that, uh, you know, you get in decision-making mode, and sometimes we don't know right away because when we get in decision-making, it's almost like the Lord says, I'm not going to tell you right away because, Steve, now that I've got your attention in a deeper way, I'm going to actually deal with some things in you. <laughs> you know, this fear thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh, yeah. What's that all about? This, this anxiety that you're not going to know what to do? What's that all about? And, and he goes to the root of things. And, uh, and so uh, decision-making transition times are often an opportunity where there's a delay in hearing. <laughs> I want to know the first day. <laughs> but there's, a, there's an interesting verse in James 1, 5, 5 through 8, and where 
it says, if any man lacks wisdom, it's, it says, if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally. Just say, say, God gives wisdom to me liberally. And without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith, with no doubting, for he who doubts is like the, these, these verses used to depress me. <laughs> let him ask in faith, with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Now, that used to discourage me, but then I see, okay, if any time we're interpreting the Bible and what we're interpreting doesn't give us hope, I believe we're not interpreting it right. And so this verse actually said, if once we ask for wisdom and we believe we're going to know what to do, just say, I always know what to do. Once we actually believe we're going to hear, it's coming. It's like a, a tracking number. When I, when I order something with FedEx or UPS, I get a tracking number. Anybody get excited with tracking number? Because I see that and I release my faith over the tracking number. I say, it's coming. It's coming. I don't get a tracking number and then the next day order it again. Go look out of my front porch. It's not there. This is not working. Let's laugh at that. No, I say, I got the tracking number. It's coming. Woohoo! <laughs> James 1.5 is a tracking number. It's coming. It's coming. I'm going to know what to do. Just say, I'm going to know what to do. I'm going to know what to do. I, that, the, the anxiety of not knowing what to do is a bigger problem than not knowing what to do. The fear of not... Of, of not Knowing what to do is a bigger problem than the decision. Ha ha. I'm going to know what to do. I got a tracking number. I got my options. And you get, I'm, and you start getting the decision making mode, and you're open. If you're open, say, okay, God, I'm open. Whatever. It's a key. My heart's open. If, if my heart's not willing, make my heart willing. I remember that when Weaverville or Nevada, stay in Nevada. I'm at a prayer meeting in Redding, California at Bethel Church. I wasn't on staff there, but I was in a prayer meeting there at a conference. And I'm in a prayer room and I'm looking out towards the west where Weaverville is in the west from Redding. Just kind of looking out the window. And this young prophetess woman who knew nothing about what I was going to, she, she, she pointed, she said, uh, I see you going west. And I put that under my option of going to Weaverville. Wild-eyed prophetess woman <laughs> said, go west. <laughs> and then I concluded. Yep. And the greater the risk we take is the greater the story we need. I don't, I don't. I don't do just risk just to do risk. But I, I, all of us in our spiritual journey are going to do things that are illogical. Illogical financially. Illogical maybe location-wise. Illogical. What, all of us at times will do that because we got a word. And even coming to a church like this, man, there's no perfect church. And if there was, when you came, it wouldn't be perfect. <laughs> but even, even in that, I mean, God calls us to places. And, uh, and one thing about it, you know, once, once we decide, um, and I attach faith, and, uh, and I'll get back to the church thing in a moment. I just, the whole thing about once you clarify the option and you decide what to do, I tell the Lord this. This is how I work with the Lord. If it's a big decision, I'll, I'll have this conversation. All right, Lord, I'm concluding that I'm supposed to do this. Based on everything, my, my, this process, 
And, and Lord, I'm going to give you one week to change my mind. I'll give you one week. But here's the deal. You can't change my mind through negative emotions or negative circumstances. You can only change my mind through another God story. Unusual coincidence. Dream. And, and then once the week is over and assuming there was nothing, then I attach my faith. And that's huge. I have to attach faith to the decision. And because that was a missing piece for me. And that's, that's number six. They learned to make decisions in faith. Um, I'm supposed to be doing this. I, that, that gives us power, energy, and cheerfulness. And usually our decisions are challenged by circumstances. Once I've made a decision, there's usually things that happen that want to say, you made a bad decision. That's normal. And what I do with that, because even ministry, even things God calls us to do, and I know Jesse and Jessica would surely testify to this. There, there's times, Lord, this doesn't seem to be working. <laughs> I've felt that. And, and it's in that to where, because when God grows us up, we, we stop making decisions based on emotion and negative circumstances. Because that's one of the ways God grows us up, where, where we actually, uh, doesn't mean that he'll never change his mind on something, or doesn't mean that we won't, we make a commitment and that we'll never change that. But how we make decisions is more important than the decisions that we make. I'll say that again. How we make decisions is more important than the decisions that we make. Because one of the greatest attributes, because uh, one of the most important things to learn is how to make decisions and how to do them in faith. And I believe today that, that there's people here, I mean, all of us at some level are, are making some decisions. <laughs> some of us are making big decisions. I remember I was, I was discouraged. Anybody ever been discouraged? I was in, this was in the 90s. I was pastoring in Nevada, and I was very discouraged <laughs> because I just didn't feel like I was successful. It felt things were hard. There was difficulty in the church. Um, and I, I felt like quitting. Anybody ever felt like quitting? And I, I basically, I told the Lord, I said, I can't go on unless I get a fresh new word from you. Matthew 4, 4 says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And so I said, I, I need I, either, I need a confirmation or a redirection. And so I'm thinking about that. And I had a thought. Steve, I haven't called you to fail. I've called you to succeed. It's a good thought, but it wasn't big enough to overcome what I was feeling. So I do not tell anybody that. I go to a pastor prayer meeting. I share with them, I'm battling discouragement. Pray for me. They gather around me. They lay hands on me. The first guy who prays, he says this. Father, I thank you that you haven't called Steve to fail. You've called him to succeed. <laughs> I went, woo, yes, that's God. That's God. I heard something. That's God. That's a God story. And, and the things didn't change outwardly at first, but it changed here. Because I, I reattach faith to what I was doing, and as I reattach faith, because when we do things in doubt and double-mindedness, there's no power. 
There's no power in our lives. And so I reattach faith, and then the breakthrough happened first in me and then happened in the ministry. We felt like the Lord told us this. A bad decision made in faith has a greater likelihood of success than a good decision made in doubt. I'm not talking about robbing a bank in faith. I'm not talking about sinning in faith, but God gives us a lot of latitude. A bad decision made in faith has a greater likelihood of success than a good decision made in doubt. I just, um, just even, even today as I think about, let, let each be fully convinced in his own mind. I, I think about just you who are here, you who are watching online right now, that I just see the Holy Spirit with just a, a time of uncertainty we've been through in a nation we, we, we're, there's confusion, there's, there's emotional responses to things, there's people running from things, there's, there's all kinds of stuff going on that, where, where people haven't thought through what they believe they're to do and not do. And I believe that the Lord, even in this meeting, is releasing over us a gift of faith in decision-making. I believe the Lord is, is, is giving revelation on, on the power of being fully convinced. I believe the Lord, there were people who are battling doubt and double-mindedness that, that there's, there's, there's breakthrough for you. Just say there's breakthrough for me. Breakthrough for me. Say it again. And, and, and I just break off the spirit of heaviness concerning decision-making. Man, I've come under, oh, heavy, I feel heavy. I make a decision. Oh, my, oh, I don't know what to do. <laughs> I break that off. And I say, thank you, Lord, for the tracking number. Thank you, Lord, for uh, Psalm 37, verse 4 says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he'll give you the desires of your heart. Father, I can't wait to see how you're going to lead me in this. Woohoo! I can't wait until I hear from you. It's coming. Woohoo! I got tracking number. Man, I'm, I'm, I don't know, man. It, but I know it's coming. I know I'm going to know what to do. I know that, that, that you're, you're doing something in me. My faith is not in me, it's in you. My faith is in you. You said you'd give wisdom liberally without finding fault. You just pour out a... I don't want to be the blockage to that, Lord, through unbelief. And so I just want to do this. I want to, before I just wrap up, hey, if you're in a, a decision-making mode right now, you got a big decision, and you say, ah, oh, I think this message was just for me. I want you just to stand up right now. If that's, and just stay standing, just for, yeah. <laughs> now, I want to just do, do something with you standing, and if you're sitting, you can participate in this. But I want you, um, let's just laugh at this lie. Um, in key decisions that you will need to make and are needing to make, you will not know what to do. Ha ha ha. A little painful laughter. <laughs> kind of, I'm not sure. <laughs> That's a lie. No, it is a lie. So, Father, I just say thank you, Lord. Thank you for uh, just the just your love for us and thank you that just what you're doing even now those especially those who are standing i i ask you to meet them in the name of jesus just meet them in the name of jesus with 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 revelation thank you for just the the power of scripture thank you for good people within their lives thank you lord that they believe that they'll get revelation of their true identity as a sound mind and a good decision maker. Thank you, Lord, for 
um, just helping them know when not to make a decision. <laughs> Help them to just say, well, I'm going to wait a while. I'm not in a good place. Thank you, Lord, just for that. Thank you for helping them to cl clarify their options and see the God story and then conclude what you're saying. And thank you, Lord, for the ability to attach faith, faith to their decisions and, and take them on a journey, Lord, of small things, whether it's like paying a bill in faith rather than reluctance or under compulsion or, or, or going to uh, just uh, a, a, an obligation. Take them on a journey of attaching faith to what they're doing, Father. And, and I believe that some of you who are standing right now, you are actually going to have a ministry in decision-making. <laughs> You're going to have a ministry that's because decision-making is not talked about enough. And, and I, I just see some of you, there's, there's books on decision-making coming out of you. There's courses on decision-making. And, and, and your own journey, some of you, you've struggled so much in decision-making, your own journey is going to give you such compassion for others who battle in that area. So I just bless you if you receive that. Just say, I receive it. I'll never be the same again. Amen. You can be seated. And one more thing and then turn it back over. And by the way, isn't my wife, Wendy, just beautiful? Yes. I miss you, Wendy. Yeah. Uh, that gives you some great information. If you sign up for our newsletter, that will give you, you can go to our website, ignitinghope.com, and you can sign up. That will give you, we'll, we won't flood you with emails, but I do a weekly uh, blog that you receive and podcast. And Hey, if you receive the message today, say, I receive it. I'll never be the same again. Something happened in me today. It was supernatural. It's going to increase. And it's going to influence the nations. And I'm entering the best season of decision-making in my life. Amen. Give God a shout of praise. Thank you, Lord.